1: Thank you for your presence today. The Bible beautifully describes the creation of the first man, woman, and marriage. God made the heavens and the earth with us in mind. Then He made man in His image and breathed into Him the breath of life to care for the universe He created. If that wasn't enough, He made woman from the rib of man to complement Him. And with God's blessings, they became husband and wife. Listen with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander articulates this beautiful truth from the Holy Scriptures.
0: well, We will continue our journey through that great book of God, the book of Genesis, so you'd be so kind to turn back where we left off last time. Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. We'll be hanging around that particular passage of Scripture, and uh, we'll just see what God is up to as we go through the text this morning. Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. And there you'll find these words. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Again, the subject of this Particular message is the creation of man, woman, and marriage. After God created woman, he gave her away to her husband in marriage, which is a sacred covenant relationship between a husband and wife. Marriage was the first institution established by God on earth and society. Before there was school, before there was government or any of these other entities, God established marriage, and family. The union of a man and wife transcends a parent-child relationship and therefore all apron strings must be cut, which means the wife must put the interest interest and welfare of her husband above her parents and the husband must put his wife's interest and welfare above his parents. And when a man and woman get married, they become one flesh. Say one flesh. In marriage, the priorities of a husband and wife change. The marriage relationship takes precedence over parental relationships. Why do some parents have a hard time releasing their sons and daughters? Why? Just a brief review and then we'll go on into new insights for today. Why do some parents have a hard time releasing their sons and daughters? Number one, because they allow their emotional ties to transcend the authority of God's Word. Because they allow their emotional ties to transcend the authority of God's Word. In other words, even though that daughter or that son has left mom and dad and have gone into the new relationship A husband-wife, marital covenant. Many times the parents are still having their hands clutched to that son or their daughter emotionally even though they are now in a new relationship. Uh, Number two, why do some parents have a hard time releasing their sons and daughter? Because of selfishness. They do not want to share their child with anyone else. That's still my child. That's still my baby. That's still my boy. But your baby boy has grown up. (laughs) And now your your daughter has a husband <laughs> and your son has a wife and uh, you can't be selfish. You need to, re- there needs to be a releasing and a cutting loose of the apron string. Number three, uh, because they do not have a health relationship with their own spouse. In other words, uh, if you had a good, healthy, well-balanced relationship with your own spouse, then the releasing of your child into the, that marriage would be would not be so hard. But when you don't have a relationship with your own husband or wife, you begin to cling to the wrong relationship. We need to be doing everything we can to make sure that our relationship with husband and wives are intact and that therefore it makes it easier to cut the apron string. Uh, Number four, because uh, why is it so hard for parents to let go? Because they have become best friends with their children instead of being best friends with their spouse. You know, they have such a, just a wonderful time in some relationship. And some parents have not been best friends with their children. And they're saying, wow, uh, I, I, I'm just breathing now that they're out of the house. And others say, you know, we've had such a good, great relationship. And so uh, they can't turn loose that friendship. We say, can't say you can't, be help, you can't be friends and do things together. However, you, you can't be so close that it begins to interfere with that husband-wife relationship. Uh, why do some parents have a hard time letting go their uh, children into holy matrimony to their spouse. Number five, because they are addicted to control and manipulation. They're manipulative and controlling, and even though that child is not in the house any longer, they're still trying to manipulate and control to the interference of that marriage, and that causes great problems within that new union. And number six, Because of insecurity and dependency upon their child's availability to do things for them, especially after the loss of a spouse through death or divorce, you know, so you want to cling to the child, even though they are married now, because you have your own personal needs and you're wondering who will cut the grass now, who will take me to the store? Who will take me on the doctor's appointment? Who will help me pay the bills? And so you begin to think about your own personal needs and therefore you begin to cling. Uh, Number seven, many parents hold on to their children because they do not want to lose certain government benefits they're receiving by the child being in the home, such as social security disability, uh, military retirement, or VA disability checks. In other words, when a child leaves, so does a portion of their help and Income, so they start thinking financially as it relates to that child now no longer being in that home. Number eight, because the husband or wife has left their parents' home physically, but mentally and emotionally they are still in their mama or daddy's house. They are married, they're across town, then uh, they are maybe out of town, and you are married and you have children, but you're still tied to your parents so much emotionally back home that your mind emotionally is at home but your body is in that new relationship they have double knotted the apron string to the detriment of their marriage in other words like the O.J's old school hit of the 70s your body is here with me but your mind is on the other side of town <laughs> for example uh, you, you, here's an example that i wish you made pancakes like my mama <laughs> Uh, My daddy washed my car every Saturday evening. Why can't you be like my daddy? Well, your husband is not your daddy. And you can't put that kind of criteria on him. Uh, You need to be all there in that new relationship to the glory of God uh, with all your with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Uh, Then we'll transition to another subtopic as it relates to this leaving and cleaving. Uh, How can husbands and wives continue to honor their parents in their marriage? How can husbands and wives continue to honor their parents in their marriage? Number one, uh, to leave and cleave to your spouse doesn't mean total isolation and separation from your parents. You know that means, well, Mama, we we it's over. You know, or Daddy, uh, no, we we. You just isolate them. You leave them alone. You don't have anything to do with them now. That and you have little to no contact. And one spouse is keeping the other from even uh, having any kind of close relationship with with their parents. You should seek to cultivate a healthy, well balanced relationship with both sides of the family. It should not be one-sided. It should be two-sided. There should be balance. You should love both sides of the family and seek to have that relationship. And, and you say you're, not, you're uneasy, uncomfortable with the other side's relationship, where you need to hang around till you get comfortable. How can husbands and wives continue to honor their parents in marriage? Uh, never disrespect the parents of your spouse. This brings unnecessary tension, and um, it, it, it brings strife in the marriage as well. So don't don't do that and don't be comparing one one family to the other. You know why your family always doing this and and you know that's in your family and all that kind of stuff. And wait a minute, as if all sides are perfect. All families have issues and all of us got something in our families. Number three, how do you honor your parents even though you're in a new relationship? When the parents of the husband or wife have a need... The two of you, husband and wife, must agree on how to best meet the need without putting a strain on your own marriage. You know, that comes down when one of the parents may need financial assistance. or uh, Maybe you have to consider someone, one of the parents or both moving into your home and other reasons such as that. And you need to talk it out, talk it through, know what the expectations are, and operate in the unity of the Spirit to the glory of God. When you get an up understanding up front, it saves you a whole lot of trouble down the road. Amen? <laughs> And then fourthly, occasionally, uh, uh, you parents, in the ma- you husbands and wife in the marriage, uh, occasionally release your husband or wife to go spend quality time with his or her parents without making an issue or a big deal out of it or making them feel guilty when they go spend time with their father or with their mother. Uh, or, what, or whatever the case may be, uh, that you need to release them. Say, no, go spend time with your mother. Go spend time. Go have some father-son time out or whatever, mother's daughter time and, and such things as that. However, the flip side is that one spouse can spend so much time with the mother or the father seemingly at the parent's back and call to the detriment of your marriage. In other words, every time mama calls, you got to jump. Every time daddy calls, you got to jump. That doesn't. You, you, are, are you saying you, if you don't, then you're not honoring them? No, that's 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 not right. And sometimes we can force a text. We need to be balanced in our relationship. The parents ought to not expect their child in a new relationship to jump every time you call a text. That is not healthy in marriage. Won't you say Amen? amen. Now, we're going on to new insights. That was just a brief bit of a review, but somebody wasn't here last week, or some, y'all, some of you needed a double portion, you know, until the truth resonates in your own heart. Now, let's go to verse 25. It says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. The nakedness of Adam and Eve refers to their innocence, Adam and Eve not having knowledge of evil before the fall meant that their nakedness was shameless, innocent, and without embarrassment. They were perfect beings. They were made perfect in the image of God and completely innocent being naked. This innocence can also be seen in very young children who run all over the house buck naked and carefree. You ever seen little children? Uh, They they don't even know they're naked. (laughs) It is also interesting to note that God did not mention the nakedness of Adam and Eve until after they were married. All right? After they were married. Whereas multitudes today get naked and do sinful things prior to marriage, which results in nothing fresh and new and exciting during the honeymoon because you've worn everything out. Right? Nothing new, nothing fresh. It's old, it's stale. <laughs> it is rare even in the church today, say today, to find a Christian man and woman who are virgins when they marry engaging in sex for the first time during the honeymoon is now rare indeed today. And they were both naked. The man and his wife. Not the man and Hit and John. Not the man and Steve, not Shirley and Sue, the man and his wife. Amen, not living couples, not adultery, laying around sleeping around the man and his wife. According to a new Pew Research Center analysis of census statistics, only 51% of American adults 18 and older are married, making marriage dangerously close to becoming a minority. In year 2000, 57% of adults were married, the stats likely reflects the trend of getting married later in life as the new average age of marriage is older than 26 for females and older than 29 for males. D. Vera Kuhn, a co-writer of the Pew study, said that young people see marriage as an obsolete social environment. People say they want to get married, but Americans are much less likely to marry than in the past. The percentages are going down, 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 because the culture is devaluating and discounting the holy institution of marriage. Oh, I'm not holy through. Y'all hanging on? Why, why do so many couples prefer to cohabitate than get married? Why do they prefer to shack up than hook up in holy matrimony? Number one, because many do not see cohabitation and shacking as a sin. God's word says That marriage is a covenant relationship between one man and one woman before God and his people. Let me show you something. In Malachi chapter 2 verse 14, if you could turn there quickly, good. If you can't, just look at the screen. In Malachi chapter 2 verse 14, it says, Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth with whom you have dealt treacherously. Look at this. I love this last part. Yet she, the wife, is your companion and your wife by covenant. You know yet she is your what? Companion and your what? Wife by covenant. Say covenant. covenant. If, if you're married, you are in a marriage covenant. Well, some of you might be asking, what is a marriage covenant? I don't want to leave you hanging. That's why I'm really taking my time because this issue is so critical in the life of the church and in the culture in which we live. What is a marriage covenant? And I'm going to slow down because you need to write every word of this definition down for your own soul and for others that you're going to be ministering to. A marriage covenant is a formal agreement uniting a man and woman, setting them apart exclusively to each other. For the rest of their lives. Let me just give that part. Then I'll go on. A marriage covenant is a formal what? Agreement uniting a man and woman. Setting them apart. Exclusively to each other. For the rest of their lives. Okay, now I'll move on. It is a binding vow or promise made in the presence of God. It is a binding vow or promise made in the presence of God and his people to fulfill the marital obligation in obedience to. To God's Word. You somebody say it, say it again, okay? I'm going to say it again, and then hopefully you'll get it. What is a marriage covenant? A marriage covenant is a formal agreement uniting a man and woman, setting them apart exclusively to each other for the rest of their lives. It is a binding vow or promise made in the presence of God and his people to fulfill the marital obligation in obedience to God's word. Okay. When's the last time you heard, heard a definition like that? We needed a great comprehensive definition so that this thing can seek, so the word of God can, 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 can really uh, clarify. And this definition can really clarify what a marriage covenant is. Why do some people rather shack up or cohabitate than to get married? Than to get married. Number two, because of rebellion against God and His Word, they cohabitate because of rebellion against God and His Word. They have allowed the spirit of the age to trump God's Word. You know, and some people say, "Well, yeah, well, we're in the same house, but uh, excuse the English, we ain't doing nothing." Oh, no, no, I, I, who are you fooling? Who are you fool, if you're a red blooded man and that woman's in there and heat comes up, you it creates all kind of things because of rebellion against God and his word. You know what the word of God says, but you you it's your way. You're rebellious. They have allowed the spirit of the age to trump God's word, what the culture is saying, what the media is saying, what Hollywood is saying. Hollywood can't tell you a thing about marriage. All those multiplicity of divorces, don't you get your cue from them? Uh Matthew nineteen, four and five. Matthew nineteen, four and five it says, and he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made Them in the beginning made them male and female and said for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. If you are living with someone that's not your husband or wife, it is rebellion against almighty God. Why do people co- cohabitate? Why do they shack instead of getting married? Number three, because it gives them a sense of freedom that if things don't work out, they can just walk away. You know, if we don't say I do. If we don't go to the altar. If they don't work out, we can just split and don't have to worry about a divorce. Some couples even settle for contract or open marriages, which gives them the freedom to pursue other relationships. See, that's not a commitment. That's why they won't get married. In other words, they can be friends with benefits. There's an old adage that says, why buy the cow when you can get the milk free? Why buy the cow when you can get the milk free? Hebrews 13.4 says marriage is honorable among all. It's an honorable thing. And and it is is also honorable to be single, to be a Christian, to be single as unto the Lord. You're not, you don't just have to get married. You can be joyfully single unto the Lord, allowing him to be your head and enjoying living the Christian testimony to the glory of God. It doesn't matter matter whether you're 50 or 60. Don't let anybody say what's wrong with you, why you're not married. Don't let them pressure you. God has called some to, unto singleness, and that's a wonderful thing, but if you don't have the gift of celibacy, you get married. Oh, yeah. Hebrews 13:4 says, "Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled." There are so many marriage beds being defiled. It's a sad thing when a husband or wife bring sexual diseases to the spouse, and then you're wondering what happened. You know what happened? You've been out there fooling around. Marriage is honorable, honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But look look at this. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. God will judge. They had a gay pride parade or something uh, right there promoted, promoted by the mayor right here in San Antonio. Folk don't care anymore. And people just sleep around, mess around, multiplicity of partners. And some of you doing it right before your children and uh, as if your children don't understand what's going on. When they see those uh, people coming in at your house, they're not as uh, crazy as you think they are, or uh, 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 naive, rather, as you think they are. Number four, because of fear that the marriage won't work out. How can I get married? It might not work out. Many have been duped by society into believing that marriage won't work out because of the presence and prevalence of divorce in the world and even the church. In the world and even in the church. You know, you see so many Christian marriages divorcing. Uh, you see divorce everywhere. And so that's, that's uh, really causing you to have a second thought and not get married when you look around and see so many marriages failing. So many marriages failing. So you say, since, since so many marriages are failing, uh, why should we uh, get married anyhow? You know, and so you, you come up with that conclusion and you've been duped. Anybody here been married 10 years, uh, stand up. You've been married 10 years. 10 years, okay. Okay, God bless you. Anybody married t- uh, 20 years, stand up. Okay. You've been married for 30 years, stand up. Forty, okay, and then, okay, thirty years, all right. Sit down. Have a thing. Uh, You've been married for forty years. Stand up. Forty. Look at a forty. Let's give him a big hand. Okay, you may be seated. Anybody been married for fifty years? Stand up. Anybody here fifty years? Look, uh, look, 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 look at the fifties. Look at the fifties. Look at the fifties. Now, if you were asking any of those persons that's been married 50 years, was it all peaches and creams? They say, oh, Are you kidding me? <laughs> did you ever have some spats? Yeah. Did you have some hardships? Did you have problems with children? Did you have finances? This, uh, yeah. How did you make it? God. Trust. The word. Loyalty. Commitment. Leave and cleave. Okay? That's how you. And and so don't let the world dupe you. You saw some marvelous illustrations in here. And the world will make you think that, that this is not possible. That it's not possible. It is possible.
1: With God, we can do all things. Thank you for joining us today. The Word of God provides everything we need throughout our earthly existence. There is absolutely nothing that has, is, or will occur in our lives that is not covered by the blood of Jesus. Our sovereign God loves us so much that He created us in His own image and sacrificed His only begotten sinless Son to cover all of our sins. When we surrender our all to Him, we begin to experience the greatest love of all and become recipients of eternal life. Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us today. Please join the Maranatha Bible Church family on Sunday, November 13th at 10 a.m. as we celebrate our annual Military Appreciation Day to recognize and thank veterans, all branches of the military, and their families for their self-sacrificing service and selfless determination to uphold the United States of America as the land of the free and the home of the brave. Worship with us as we honor these individuals, countless of whom paid the ultimate price for our freedom.